generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. We have flipped the switch. We have changed over John chapter 9 from verse 1. The Bible says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, Jesus is speaking, and says, I am the light of the world. I displace darkness. I dissolve darkness. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the difference maker. I'm the light bringer. I'm the darkness destroyer. Verse 6, when he, Jesus, had said these things, he spat on the ground. Can you imagine that? And made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Come on, come on, Jesus. Why would you do this to me? The fact that I'm blind does not mean you should insult me. <laughs> the fact that I'm blind does not mean you should mess up my face. Mess up my reputation. The fact that I'm vulnerable does not mean you should abuse me, Jesus. And Jesus now said to him, to make matters worse, he said... Go wash in the pool of Siloam. He doesn't hold his hand, doesn't hand hold him. He doesn't party cake him. He doesn't try to make it easier for him. Jesus actually complicates in quotes <laughs> the situation by saying, Now I've messed up your face. Uh, it's bad enough that you couldn't see. Now it's worse that not only could you not see, now people don't want to see you because your face is dripping with mud and mire and murk. Come on. And Jesus doesn't make it easy for him. He says, go figure this out. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Now that pool is translated sent. The word Siloam is translated sent. So this man went and washed and came back seeing. Somebody say went, went, washed, washed, came back seeing. Say went, went, washed, washed. Came back seeing, seeing. Went, went. Come and say that. Washed, washed. Came back seeing. Isn't this interesting? That that's what he did. Now I'm going to touch on that later. Verse 8 says, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Verse 9 says, Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. He introduced himself in alignment with his testimony. And verse 10 says, Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? Because they knew his story. Even though he was not in Ojoele, but they didn't get that. He answered verse 11 and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. Come on, somebody say, I went, I washed, and I received my sight. Say it again. I went, I washed, and I received my sight. Say it like this. I am going, I am washing, and I am receiving my sight. 
There's a generation of people who feel like everything will gravitate towards them. There's even a popular theory, theory called the law of attraction. Why? Because there's a generation of people who don't want to actually get traction. They just want attraction. They're not interested in doing the work. They just want to bring in the benefits and the bounties. Well, the Bible says that Jesus instructed this man to go. Sometimes before you can receive, you have to be willing to wait. <laughs> I said it on purpose. For you to be, willing to be able to receive, you have to be willing to wait. You have to be willing to wash. Come on, pardon my grammar. You have to be willing to go, went, wash, and then receive. And that's going to provoke you today as we go further. I want you right now to just agree with me as we pray. Father, we thank you for supernatural wisdom pouring forth like rain upon the soils of our hearts, saturating our minds, reconfiguring our ideologies. Thank you that the tutorial ministry of the Holy Ghost is fully expressed as I open my mouth, his words cuts deep into the hearts of your children, expunging every cancer of negative thinking, removing, removing every seed of satanic ideology and philosophy, every thought pattern that is antagonistic to the provision plan of heaven, that violates the protocols of heaven's agenda for us. And for your kingdom, Father, we dissolve, we decimate, we destroy by the power of God. We proclaim even in this season that our hearts are receptive, our minds are sensitive. We are provoked, we are instructed, we are energized, we are stimulated, we are elevated, we are inspired. And we are not beggars anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. This word doesn't fall to the ground, but it lifts those who are on the ground to new levels of impact, to new levels of transformation, to new levels of generosity, to new levels of glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Somebody say, Amen. Quickly type in the comment box right now, I'm not a beggar anymore. You can type it in uppercase, you can type it with flames emoji, you can type it with the red exclamation marks, but however you type it, express it with faith, with definition, with conviction. I am not a beggar anymore. The begging days are over. The days of sitting and chilling and waiting for people to bless me out of their benevolence. I'm not waiting for that any longer. If the bless me out of their benevolence is an add-on. If they add to it, I love it. But that's not what's going to sustain my life. I'm not a beggar anymore. Somebody say that louder. Let me start by saying this, that there are uh, three major ways, but I took it and say four major ways really, of you maintaining your well-being on this earth in terms of material resources, in terms of living. Uh, when people say, I want to make a living. So there are four major ways in which you make a living. I initially said three because two of them are very similar. One is just slightly above the other. So the very first way in which you can make a living, which you can keep, as they would say, body and soul together by getting resources is by begging. The first one is by begging. The first way of earning uh, some money, getting a living uh, on this earth is by begging. Begging, which means that you go out to seek the favor of other people. Uh, you take a lowly position. You humble yourself and sometimes even disrespect yourself and you are at the mercies of somebody else's resources. 
You are at the mercy of somebody else's supply chain. You are at the mercies of somebody else's mood sometimes. Because sometimes they have the money but they are not in the mood. So they can have good money but they are in a bad mood. And therefore if you ask them for resources when they are in that mood, it does not matter what it is that you ask for, you're not going to get it. So begging is the first way. And may I say that many of our lives today have resorted to begging. We'll come to that. Number two is that you can actually go on a borrowing spree and say begging and borrowing they're sort of like twins or older brother and older sister uh, borrowing is just a step above begging which means that when you borrow you don't actually lose as much of your reputation as begging except of course then you borrow and borrow to repay what you borrowed and then borrow again to leave again so you're able to borrow again and borrow again you, you get that and when you borrow many times you borrow yourself into a, a borrow. Come on somebody. The many times when you borrow, you are still at the beck and call or at the mercies of somebody else's benevolence. It's just like you're saying to them, uh, give me some time or give me some energy and I'm going to repay you. That's why it's a little different from begging. But essentially, both of them are, are not the way to go. Number three way is that you can literally build you can build a business, you can build a value, you can build a case, you can build on an idea, you can build a framework, you can build a template, you can build a product suite, you can build a system, you can build a marketing funnel, you can build a plan. So you can build, you can even build a ministry when the Lord has called you to that. For the word says that they that minister the gospel should feed off the gospel. So that's the work the Lord has called you to. He also expect you to be resourced by that assignment, resourced by that work. And so that's the third way. But number four way is that you can also, this is what you can do, you can live off the blessing of God. And so the fourth way, which is the highest way, is the blessing of God. So four real quick. Number one, begging. Number two, borrowing. Number three, building. And number four, the blessing. Now God's plan for man, God's plan for all of mankind, and more so in the season, the demonstrable plan of God, the idea of God that God wants to showcase in your own life is for you to start off not with begging and borrowing, but for you to start off with the blessing. God wants you to start off with the blessing. He wants you to understand the full weight of his divine endorsement, of his association with you, of his eternal investment in you. He wants you to operate from the place of the blessing, watch this, so that by the blessing you are able to build things, build systems, build value, build cases, build buildings, build people who will then be empowered or produce sufficient resources, watch this, to help people who are borrowing and who are begging so that they can also be lifted to the level of the blessing and by the blessing build again so that they also can now begin to help people who are begging and borrowing. Am I going too fast? Am I going too fast? Let me know, let me know, let me know. Ready or not, here I come. And so the supply chain of heaven is such that the blessing comes upon a person and that person by the blessing is able to build systems that then allow that blessing to have tributaries, multiplied expressions, avenues, outflows that then allow the blessing to reach into spaces to empower people who are begging and people who are borrowing so that they are no longer living on that level. Unfortunately, most of mankind, we have it, or they have it, I'm not part of that, they have it inverted. 
And most people are alive today have it inverted. Most people are alive today, and possibly you listening right now, watching right now, you also have it inverted in an area of your life. What do I mean by inverted? That means that instead of us, watch this, instead of us operating from the blessing, we operate from the begging. Instead of us operating from the building, we operate from the borrowing. Instead of us coming from the place of blessedness, whenever we have lack, whenever we're going through stuff, whenever things are not working, the first thing that comes to our minds is who can I tax? Who can raise me money? As we use that expression in the, the colloquially in Nigeria, uh, I want to raise money. Who can raise me money? That's what comes to many of our minds. That that's the framework. And if you're in that place, don't feel too bad. Even though you should be sober, even though you should be challenged, and that's part of the message. But don't feel too bad and don't condemn yourself. Why? Because it's not entirely your fault. For many people who are who are begging or who have found themselves begging. You are not a first generation beggar. I mean no disrespect, but the chances are that maybe you saw your aunts and uncles beg. Maybe you saw your dad and your mom beg. And maybe when it was time to pay school fees, you often saw them, watch this, trying to raise money. And so you have come through a lineage where it is that you actually have never really experienced surplus or abundance. Somebody still type in the comment box say, I'm not a beggar anymore. Uh, if this is hitting you hard, you can put ouch, you can put yay, you can put oh my, you can put oh dear, you can put the emoji with the hands on the head. But whatever it is, let this word hit you, let it bite into you. Because one of the things that God wants to do today is to provoke you out of that place where you're comfortable with begging. After today, you cannot longer, no longer afford to be comfortable with begging. Shout it, I'm not a beggar anymore. So unfortunately, most people alive today, watch this, most people alive today, they are beggarly. They have taken on a, a second career in begging. So they have their primary career maybe as, a, as bankers, maybe as electricians, maybe as plumbers, maybe even as medical doctors, maybe even as pastors. But their side hustle is begging. Uh, their side hustle, their plan B is that if I don't make enough money, generate enough resource, if this does not happen, then I will go begging. And there are many people, particularly even in this lockdown, who have found themselves begging. Well, let me make a case for that because there might be seasons of your life, there might be times in your life where things are not working, and in your mind, you feel I have no other choice but to beg. I understand that. In fact, it might be where you are right now, but never let that situation become your definition. Hear this never let that situation become your definition, never settle in the stop gap. Don't pitch a tent at the bus stop. I'm going fast. Don't pitch a tent at the bus stop. Don't remain stuck in a place where you fell. For the Bible says that the righteous man falls seven times, will rise again. And yes, I know it's talking about falling in the flesh, falling in the, into sin, falling into error and all of that. But here, this, no matter what the fall is, if the seed of righteousness is on the inside of you, you will rise again. God doesn't want us to be beggars. God did not create us to be beggarly. How do I know? There's something called the law of first mention, which means that the, when you see something appear the first time in the Bible, it's an indication of what it is that God wants to happen in the repeated manifestations of that thing. So the first time we see man in the Bible, we don't see man taking a loan from God. 
We don't see man trying to raise money to take care of the animals in Eden. We don't find Adam uh, trying to dig the, the well, looking for cash or money or gold or something. God released him into a stable economic environment. Man was not created into a chaotic financial scenario. Man was put in a stable environment. When we look through the ministries that the Lord raised, the people that God used mightily, people like Abraham, of course, Abraham was already naturally resourced, watch this, he was naturally resourced uh, before God called him. But hear this, when we're talking about not being a beggar anymore, we're not saying, we're not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about material things. I'm also talking about resources that you cannot provide for yourself. How do I know? Abraham was rich. Abraham was wealthy. Abraham had cattle. Abraham had sheep. But Abraham could not provide for himself the lamb or the ram that he would need to sacrifice in the place of Isaac. In other words, no matter how rich you are materially, if you are not rich in this revelation of you not being a beggar anymore, you will have rams, but you will not have the ram. Oh, come on. You will have lambs, but you will not have the lamb. You will have earthly resources, but you will not have heavenly riches. Is somebody getting this right now? Because this beggarliness is not just in material things. There are people here who are listening to me right now who are beggars emotionally. So yes, you don't beg for money, but you beg for love. You beg for affirmation. You beg for validation. You beg for people to recognize. You beg for recognition. Oh yes, there are people who don't beg emotionally, but spiritually you still beg. When you come before your father and you approach him with a request, you are so shy, timid, blushing, abashed, uncertain. You don't know whether he's going to hear you or not. You come back and wherein the Bible does not say beg and shall be given to you. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, he says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. He says, for every Everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door shall be opened. Somebody say, I'm not a beggar anymore. Not only do many of us have the tendency to beg because of the families we grew up in and the economic environments that our local families had, but many of us, we are indoctrinated into begging because we live in a culture that has normalized begging. If, you're, if you live in the third world, the country is called the third world, many of them repose in Africa or domiciled in Africa, chances are that you've grown up amongst beggars. And here this, you can be a CEO and still be a beggar. You can be a CEO and still see Iho. Iho in Yoruba language means a hole. So you can see, be a CEO and still see holes in your pocket and holes in your finances. You can be a big-time politician and still be beggarling your thinking. As a matter of fact, with all due respect, can I propose to you that one of the reasons many people steal and many people are corrupt is because they have beggarly mindsets. They are beggars in their minds. So even though they have resources around them, they are poor on the inside of them. Their minds are poor. And so all they can think about is how to snatch the wealth of a nation and keep us private property. Somebody shouts, not me, not me, not me, not me. Because the beggarly mindset always believes that I can never be resourced except somebody gives to me. The beggarly mindset, and I'm, I know I'm provoking some of you right now. And if I'm provoking you, that's good. I'm doing my job this morning. <laughs> 
And listen, this part of the sermon. We're going to get to the happier part, but you need to feel this. You need to feel this in your heart and feel this in your spirit and feel this in your mind when you say, I'm not a beggar anymore. I want you to feel a holy provocation that moves you in the right direction. A nation that is so beggarly. You go to the entry to the restaurant, the gate man is begging you for money. You go to the office, your colleague is begging you for money. You go to the family meeting, the family members are begging you for money. You go to some churches. And with all due respect to the anointing of God upon the lives of those pastors, but sadly, some pastors still beg their congregation for money. A beggarly culture that's imposed its beggarliness on you even without knowing. Isn't it interesting that there was a time in your life that you could navigate and spin off ideas and be creative and not take a loan. But these days when you're hard pressed, you're already thinking in your mind, who am I going to beg? Who am I going to borrow? But I proclaim by the finger of God and I proclaim by the anointing of God today that every cycle of begging is broken over your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Every cycle, every pattern, every idea, everything that makes you comfortable with begging, with depending on the benevolence of other people is broken in the name of Jesus. The Bible says you will lend to nations and not borrow. Somebody shout, I am not a beggar anymore. Oh, come on. Shout and beat your chest and say, Damn it, Lord, Lord, what are you? You are not a beggar anymore. I made this decision many, many years ago. The last time I took a loan, borrowed any money, was in 2008. That's 12 years. I didn't have all the money then, but I had a revelation in my spirit. And that's what I'm hoping that someone is going to catch today. That's what I'm hoping that you will realize that there's another alternative to begging. There's another way, another realm, another pattern, another provision plan that does not require you sacrificing your dignity. Another provision plan. And I hope that you can plug into it today. When you beg, you're trading off something. Every time you beg, it's a trade. It's just that it's the kind of trade wherein the profit is actually a loss. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whenever you beg, you are trading off something. The only difference is that the profit of this particular trade is a loss. It's a loss. What do you lose when it is that you beg? Number one, you lose riches. No matter how great somebody begs, no matter how skillful the person is in begging, he does not beg his way into billions. And if billions ever happen to a beggar, guess what? He's going to squander it and lose it because he has not built the internal capacity and the environmental systems and the business structures to sustain the speed off of those billions. Now when we think about beggars, don't think about that little girl that approaches you by the roadside under the bridge wearing the one clothes with holes and grease and grime on it and saying, Auntie, God go bless you. God go honor you. God go worship you. Did I just say that? God would worship you. But you know they make all this kind of prayers, all this kind of declarations and all of that just to beg. That's not the person. That's not the beggar I'm talking about now. I'm talking about the beggarly mindset that will cost you true riches. What do I mean by riches? 
Whenever it is you're begging, what you are, what you are saying to yourself is that I don't see any other way of accessing riches or resources without begging. And so the action of begging in and of itself is not just, it doesn't end with that action. It actually leads to many other things. It leads to a loss of true riches. Why? Have you noticed that people that borrow money from you and they do it the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, they become dependent on it. So that when there is pressure from life on them, they've not developed the capacity to withstand the pressure through creative and critical thinking. What they do is that they resort to escape by begging. Number two, when you beg, it costs you respect and reputation. There are not many people in this world who will respect beggars. I don't, I don't think you've ever heard anybody say, my God, my God, that, that beggar down the road, I respect that guy, man. Uh-uh, that beggar, that beggar can try. That beggar can beg. Uh-uh, waiting. See begging. You see begging. <laughs> I don't think you've heard it before. I don't think you've seen that before. I don't think you've said that before. Because begging will cost you reputation and respect. Many times what it is that you beg somebody, whether you acknowledge it or not, there's a high chance that you just lost some respect. He might go, what has respect got to do? The Bible says in Psalm 49 verse 20, a man who is in honor and does not know it is like the beast of the earth that perishes. In other words, a man who's supposed to be dignified, who's supposed to be clad and clothed with honor, but he doesn't know it. He goes around begging, goes around treating himself as normal, goes around treating himself as a usual being. The word is like a man, like the beast of the field that perishes, that are suffering. Number three, begging will eventually cost you relevance because your begging will not catch up with the rate of inflation. Higher, so Carlo Pratara. Begging will cost you relevance. Where are the beggars of 1980? Where are the beggars of 1990? At some point in the begging career, if you do choose to make begging your career or your side hustle, if you do choose to allow yourself to go with the flow that possibly about 50-60% of the population is in, if you go with that flow, you are saying to yourself, I'm ready to lose relevance. Because people don't beg themselves into evolution. When I say evolution, I'm talking about scientific evolution. I'm talking about graduated manifestations of change in life. God doesn't want us to beg. How do I know? A lot of scriptures in the Bible tell us that God does not want us to beg. Hear what the word of the Lord says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 8. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap. Why does he do that? Now, if the ash heap is something pleasant and something good and something comfortable, why would God lift the beggar out of that dead stuff? The ash heap is, is the remains, represents the remains of something that was once big or attractive or useful or notable, but now it's gone. It's the remains out there. God says that he lifts the beggar out of it. I prophesy over your life right now. Maybe you even begged last night or you begged two days ago or you begged three days ago. I prophesy over your life right now that you are lifted from that place in the name of Jesus. 
You are not a beggar anymore. Type in the current box. I'm not a beggar anymore. He lifts the beggar from the ashes to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. It does not matter whether begging has been your side hustle before this message. It does not matter whether you are still thinking that after this message, I'm going to call somebody to ask them for money. Hear this. God has a throne for you. God has a glorious future for you. Yes, I know it's been tough to rub one naira on top of another naira. Do you have that? One dollar on top of another dollar. One thousand naira over another thousand naira note. But the word says that God sets them amongst princes. God is shifting and elevating you. God is raising you out of the cycle of dependence on other people and placing you on in a good place. It says, For the pillars of the earth are the Lord, and he has set the world upon them. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 8. In Psalms 37, 23 to 26. Psalms 37. 23 to 26 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and God delights in his way. I want to know that because we're going to come back to this. Psalm 37, 23 to 26, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and God delights in the way of the good man. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. You may have fallen into some debts because of life's pressures. I understand that. You may have fallen into some financial pitfalls because of strange attacks or the demands of life outgrew your capacity to earn a living. But hear the word of the Lord. He says that though the righteous man falls, he will not be utterly cast down. I proclaim over your life today, you are not utterly cast down. You are not utterly cast down. You are not utterly cast down. There is a way out of this quagmire. There is a way out of this pressure that is on you, pressing you hard. I see somebody in the spirit. You feel like you're in between two slabs of concrete. And you feel like, I can't take it anymore. By the finger of God, I proclaim that that slab weighing on you is broken in pieces and you are not damaged. You are not affected. You are raised up from there. I see somebody sinking into a hole of debt. It's like debt is about to destroy you, deflate you, embarrass you, put it to shame. But I see the hand of God raising you out of that hell hole, pulling you out of the pit, raising you out of that place when you've been ashamed. The Lord is intervening in your situation. Somebody give God praise and glory for the intervention of the Spirit of God. It says that God, though he is cast down, though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. It says, I have been young and now I'm old, David speaking, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. This is David painting the picture that God has in mind for the good man. By the good man, a righteous man. A man who's aligned with God. A man who has received the life of Christ in this New Testament, in this new dispensation. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the full revelation of Christ, but they had a good conscience. So he's saying that that man who's in right relationship with God, this is the picture. He is not beg. He does not beg. He's not a beggar. He was not created to beg. The new creation was not created to beg. Watch that. He's new creation. 
All things are passed away. Now, I'm not saying that there can be conditions in life or the economy that can push you to the edge. Yes, there can be. There are people who go through financial pressure seasonally, but it, it should never be the lifestyle of the believer. And it's not just about money. I spoke about Abraham earlier. That God provided a ram that Abraham with all of his wealth could not provide. This is a provision of the redemptive plan. Which means that the things that you need for your purpose, the things that you need for life and godliness, they have been provided. Somebody say I receive it. Somebody say I receive it. Put in the comment box, I, I'm not a beggar anymore. David said that the descendants of this man does not beg bread. <laughs> I have not seen the righteous forsaken. I have not seen his descendants begging bread. In other words, he has generational supply, transgenerational resource. Somebody say that I have transgenerational supply. I have transgenerational supply. I have transgenerational resources. He is merciful and he lends. And his descendants are blessed. That is the story of your life. As many as believe it. As many as can accept it. As many as are releasing their faith for it. From today. You will not beg again. Not one more day of begging. Not one hour of begging. Not one moment of begging. How will you do it? I will show you from our text today how the Lord can move you from the place of begging and unhealthy dependency. Of course, God wants us to depend on people for certain things, to be interdependent, right? But He doesn't want us to have an unhealthy dependence. You want to buy airtime, you have to beg. You want to buy a meal, you have to beg. You want to buy a car, you have to beg. You want to build your house, you have to beg. You want to finish up a, a church building, you have to beg. No, that's not the plan of God. Let me paint the picture for you. I have two sons. I have two sons. Now imagine that Carmine or Ronald, they want to eat. And I, I'm there, I'm in the house. I've got money for their food. I've got, my wife has already sorted out the kitchen, resourced the kitchen with material. I've gone to the supermarket, to the market. We've put everything in there. And then, for whatever reason, Carmen sneaks out the house through the back door. That will be weird. That <laughs> brain doesn't happen. <laughs> Never will happen. And he goes to the street. And he's on the street. And he's begging. What does that say? of me. I want you, if you care for a moment, put yourself in God's shoes. And can you imagine how God feels when you beg and you still call yourself his son, his daughter. Can you imagine? How would I feel? How would you feel if you saw Camille in the streets begging for food or begging for uh, toys or begging for a television set or begging you to pay school fees. What does that when we beg? We paint God in a very poor light. But things happen, circumstances and situations happen, and one of such we find in the book of John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, the word makes it clear that Jesus was passing by and Jesus is walking through your life today. I mean, he lives on the inside of you, but through this ministration, is walking, navigating certain environments in your life and in your mind. For some of you, you've been sober all through the message so far because you can see certain things. Jesus is walking. Or for some of you, are like, so what will I do now? Let's get to the application part of the message. 
John chapter 9, the word says, Now as Jesus passed by, he, Jesus, saw a man who was blind from birth. He saw this man who was blind from birth. We don't know what exactly happened. His disciples were very quick to ask, God, if this man is blind, here's the deal. Um, who sinned? Uh, was he the man? Or was he his parents? You see, this is quite ridiculous. And I'll tell you why it's ridiculous. I'm not sure if they knew that he was born uh, blind. I'm not sure if they knew. Jesus definitely knew. Either by knowing from the environment or he's all by word of knowledge he knew for many times the bible will say that he knew what they were thinking in their heart so jesus knew that he was born blind now i'm not sure disciples knew if he was born blind but um if they knew he was born blind then this is a ridiculous question why because if a man was born blind at what point did he seem to earn his blindness was he the day before he was born maybe he kicked his mother's womb too hard and said oh you see so the point here is this that not every bad situation in life is a function of sin. Not every bad situation is a function of something you did wrong. Watch this. But the fact that it's not a function of sin, watch this, does not mean you should settle for the consequence. That you should settle for the situation. So yes, it's okay for you to say, oh, I didn't sin for this to happen to me. I didn't sin for me to lose my job. I didn't sin for me to lose my car. I didn't sin. But God does not want us to settle for that. God does not want us to settle for, at least I didn't sin. No, he wants us to rise and to be elevated to the full provision plan of redemption. That's why Jesus was walking past and when they had this conversation about him, Jesus said, it is not this man who sinned, it is not his parents that sinned, but the works of God need to be manifested in him. I don't know the origin of your begging. How do I know this man was begging? Because when we go to verse 8, the Bible says that the neighbors and those who knew him previously said, is this not the man who sat and begged? So he had a reputation for begging. They knew him to be a beggar. Like some people now, when people see your phone call, they don't want to pick it because they know that you are about to ask or beg for something. Come on, somebody. But Jesus said, it is not about the origin of his situation. It's about the destiny of his prophecy. It's about the destiny of my purpose for his life. And can I encourage somebody right now who may be feeling weighed down, downcast and distressed. Maybe you are the burden on your heart and you are saying, God, when will I be able to sort out this money matter? Let me tell you something. God has not given up on you. God has a provision plan that you're coming into by virtue of your response to this revelation. And I proclaim very boldly as a prophetic oracle of God that God's glory is going to be seen in this situation. A turnaround is happening in your mind. A turnaround is happening in your soul. A turnaround is happening in your expectation. A turnaround is happening in your relationship. Somebody say, I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm not a beggar anymore. And Jesus then says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So look at this now. Why is Jesus quoting this? I wish I had enough time to unpack it. But I'm, I'm going to avoid falling into the trap. Let me say trap. <laughs> I'm using that loosely. Of spending too much time here. But the deal here is that this man is blind. And Jesus says that the works of God must be revealed in him. And Jesus then said, I will walk the works of him who sent me. I will work 
the works of God. So Jesus is saying that this guy is blind and he is beggarly. He needs the work of God. The solution to begging, watch this, is not more money. It's a work that God needs to work in that situation. The solution to begging is not money. Because have you noticed that no matter how much money you give a beggar, the beggar still begs. Have you noticed that? So the solution to begging is not money. The solution to begging is the work of God. And notice this in our text in John chapter 9, when you go to Mark chapter 10, where we find blind Bartimaeus from around verse 45, blind Bartimaeus. In these two stories, we see that there is a connection between begging, watch this, between begging and blindness. Between begging and blindness. That many times when somebody is begging, it's an indication of blindness in an area. Not necessarily physical blindness, but blindness to their gifts. Blindness to their possibilities, blindness to their assignments, blindness to God's call upon their lives, blindness to the resources in the people around them, blindness to the power of relationships, blindness to the power of networking, blindness to the help that the Holy Spirit offers, blindness to the instructions of Jesus. Are you getting this now? Jesus said the person is not money. No matter how much money you give a beggar, he will still keep on begging. Why? Because begging is what beggars do. Beggars beg. Regardless of what they have. You see that now? Pigs, the swimming march, regardless of what suit you wear on them. Regardless of what chain you put around their neck. That's why Jesus, when I was teaching, said, Don't cast your pearls before swine, before pigs. He says, because they will trample on the swine and then turn back to attack you. Somebody say, I'm not a beggar anymore. When you say that, it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's first of all about allowing this revelation to, as we would say in Nigerian palace, bust your brain. Let this revelation scatter every satanic ideology, every family resolution, every pattern that you grew up in, every cycle that you've absorbed without knowing you absorbed. I break it. I uproot it. I decimate it in the name of Jesus. Not a beggar anymore. Christ said, I will be the one to work that work. Christ didn't give him money. Christ gave him something that was superior to money. And the words is that Jesus, when he has said those things, he said, that was one of the works of him that said while in this day, for night come when no man shall be able to work. Wasn't saying many things. But I'll tell you one of the primary things here. He says that when a man is in a night season, when a man is blind, he cannot work. When you're in darkness about a situation, that situation will not work. That's why even concerning God, when he was going to create the earth as we know it, he said, darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. Revelation is superior to riches. Revelation is superior to riches because revelation can show you where riches are that others don't see. Revelation can show you what else you can do with riches? That's why when it was time to pay tax and Peter comes to Jesus and he says, we need to pay our tax. And Jesus says, go to the sea and catch a fish. Jesus was not an experienced fisherman, but was an experienced revelator. Revelation can make you superior to business persons. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Jesus, look at what Jesus did. When he ascended those things, he spat on the ground. 
and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Now, anointing here is not what many people in our generation need to be anointing, which you get Goya oil. Goya, you know Goya oil or olive oil or vegetable oil and pour it in people's heads. No, anointing means to smear, to smear. So what Jesus did was that he spat on the ground and then he made mud and he smeared it on the man's eyes. Now, please follow this because this is very powerful. Isn't it interesting? This man had been blind all his life and he had sat by this place. We don't know how long he was there, but he sat in this place long enough for Jesus to walk past and see him. There's a word for somebody. Jesus sees you. Somebody needs to hear the now. Jesus sees you. And the same ground where he sat begging, watch this, the same ground where he sat seemingly helpless, Jesus took the sand from that ground and spat in it and used that same sand from the ground, the mud from the ground where he sat to heal this man. Your healing is not many miles away. Your deliverance is not many places away. The very ground where you have sat and where you have been begging is the same ground where the Lord is going to bring resource to cure you of the blindness that has held you in a hell hole and the dizzy cycle of dependence on healthy dependence on other people. The same ground. Somebody say the same ground. Somebody say the same ground. Come on. If you're feeling this, let me know you're feeling it. If you're feeling this, let me know you're feeling it. Put a heart emoji. Put a flame emoji. Put something in the chat box. The same ground. I feel that now. The same industry where you're complaining nothing is working. The same environment where you are so bothered and beaten. The same space. The same gift. When the DNA of God, when, when the life of God comes upon it. When the fluid of God comes upon it. Because Jesus took his saliva. Something from the inside side of him from his from his glands when it spat on the ground when something divine touched something mundane when something from the supernatural uh, messiah himself touched something natural what we had was supernatural experiences the same ground for some of you you have no business some you have no business living your country right now whether you're listening from usa you're listening to uk some of you are us you want to come back to nigeria and God is like, you have no business leaving. For some of you in Nigeria, you want to go to Canada. God says, you have no business leaving. Some of you are in Jamaica watching this and you want to come to Nigeria or go to UAE. Maybe you can go visit. But if the Lord has not said you should go, there is enough mud in that ground to heal the blind eyes that you've been carrying around or the blind eyes of people around you. Somebody say the same ground. The same ground. The same ground. Let me give us five quick points. If you're going to stop begging, if you will leave beyond begging, if you will walk in the fullness of the revelation of this begging, the first thing is you must have this encounter with Christ. This message, you need to listen to it again. Listen to it two times, three times, four times, five. I'm not, I'm not even joking. Listen again till the spirit of the message fills your consciousness. Listen again and again. You need, number one, a Christ encounter. An encounter with Christ. I'm not talking about the religious Christ. The religious Christ is very comfortable with everybody being poor, everybody lacking resources, everybody looking like what people used to call the church mouse or the church rat. That's the religious Jesus. The religious Jesus has to always beg. The religious Jesus, he does not have anything. The that's, that's the, I'm not talking about that Jesus. I'm talking about the Christ by whom all things were made. Watch. 
and for whom all things were made. How can I be an ambassador of Christ for whom and by whom all things were made? And I have to beg, how? How? Somebody say how. Please say how. How? How? For whom all things were made? By whom all things were made? For thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. A Christ consciousness. You must see Christ through different glasses. Christ wants us to suffer for his sake. He does not want us to suffer for poverty's sake. So if we experience poverty, let it be because of Christ, not because of our carelessness or because of our nonchalant attitude or because of our historical incidents or because of the... No! If you want to suffer poverty, suffer poverty in that you make money, but you choose to give all the money away, you're impoverished. That's what Jesus said to the, to the rich man to test his heart and his orientation. And there might be people in this world that that's your mission. You make money to give it all away. If that's your mission, embrace it. But you know you're doing it for the sake of Christ. Not that you're always what people call broke and beggarly. Right? Because you don't know what to do. No. You must know what to do. Number one, Christ consciousness. Let the consciousness of Christ erase the negative programming. The negative programming. Christ didn't have a stash of cash, but there was nothing he needed for his assignment that he did not have. From a little child, when I was a little child, he was already resourced with gold, myrrh, frankincense, expensive resources even today. How much more back in the day when they didn't have technology, which meant that if a grain of gold back then was so much more valuable than a bar of gold now. Why? Because they didn't have the, the technology to refine the gold as we do now. So it was very tedious. Like when the Bible says Lydia was a seller of purple, it was a very tedious thing for Lydia to be a seller of purple. Because for you to create the purple, you had to break and crush plenty of seeds and then soak it like time dye, the material till it turned purple. Can you imagine how many purple seeds, the original seed they used for the purple dye, they had to crush? It was expensive. So Jesus already had what is arguably hundreds of thousands, more likely millions, more likely millions. You can do the check it on Google. What's the equivalent of of uh, what's the financial equivalent of the resources that Jesus had from birth. So don't let anybody bamboozle you with a poverty theology. Jesus was not materialistic. Jesus was not excessive. Jesus was not careless. But Jesus was not poor. The Bible says he became poor, which was a choice to give everything he had, particularly not just the poverty of money, Right? It wasn't even the poverty of money. Was divested himself of the privileges of his divinity. That's the poverty. Even though he lived a simple lifestyle, he, he was simple enough. Watch this. He was simple enough to cater to 12 men for three and a half years. Trust me, he had some money. <laughs> yeah, and if, if you doubt that, go to Luke chapter 8, where the Bible lists certain women who gave to Jesus' ministry. For some of you, that's your assignment. You are supposed to give to ministries. That's your assignment for some of you. And until you get there, you might not. All right. Until you start doing it, you might not understand. So number one, a Christ encounter. Not a religious encounter. Number two, I got it wrong. You need a Christ-centered, Christ-inspired, Christ-instructed vision. A Christ-centered, Christ-inspired, Christ-instructed vision. I mentioned earlier that begging and beg and blindness, they go together. 
when you find somebody begging cyclically, it's because they are blind in an area. They are blind to gifts. They are blind to talents. They are blind. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who begs is, is blind, right? When I'm saying physical, physically, everybody that begs. But if someone makes it a habit of begging, they are blind to something. Blind Bartimaeus, he was blind and he was begging by the wayside. This man whose name we don't know in James chapter 9, he was blind and then he became a beggar. He was born without his choice, but he began to beg by his choice. So for some people, you are in a situation that you didn't choose, but you chose to beg after the situation happened. The same way you chose to beg, you can choose to start not begging any longer. Is that, is that the right syntax? You can choose not to beg any longer. And number two thing you need is a Christ-centered vision. How do I know? The Bible says that Jesus came to him. He smeared his eyes. The only thing he could concentrate on was Jesus at that time. Yes, it was very insulting for you to spit in front of a Jew. A Jew. How much more take that saliva and put it on his face? Because many times in the process of your transformation, Jesus will put you through an uncomfortable situation. For some of you, this message right now is Jesus' saliva with mud in your face. You feel exposed. You feel instructed, challenged. Jesus is putting mud on your eyes so that when you go through this process, you will see clearly and you will thank me. You thank God and thank me for 10 years, 20 years. 30 years from now, you say, thank God you preached that message. I'm not a beggar anymore. Somebody put in the comment box. What's the vision? When I say vision, I'm not saying go and start your own business. Some of you might need to do that. I'm not saying go and start your own ministry. Some of you might be called to do that. I'm not saying go and start your own NGO. No, I'm saying see what God has set in front of you in this season. Because what happens to many people is that they are thinking about 20 years, but they are ignoring the next 20 minutes. And when you think about 20 years and ignore the next 20 minutes, you get too excited to be realistic. Oh my God. You get too excited about the future to be useful and productive in the now. So Jesus, for him, watch this, for Jesus to rub saliva in his face, Jesus was close enough. Focus on what Jesus is placing in front of you right now and stop being excessively excited about what might actually just be a fantasy or at best a vision that is not yet very clear to you. What has God set in front of you? What is Christ instructing you to do? For some of you, it's in the organization where you work. When God says you're going to be here, not, not a tale. Joseph, Joseph didn't go and start his own country. He didn't go and start his own country. He was in the same Egypt. But he saw what God showed him. And in the place where he was, he became what God had called him to be. For some of you, you have no business leaving that place of work or leaving that environment or leaving this ministry. I don't think anybody's planning to. But let me just throw that in there. God wants you to stay where he has planted you and you begin to evolve. This man was not running helter skelter. As long as Jesus was in front of him, he couldn't see Jesus physically. But I can imagine with his mind's eye, he was beginning to have a different vision. You see, before you stop running out of resources on the outside, your mind begins to change. For some of you, this is not the first time you are hearing this in your spirit. It's a continuation of God's challenge to you. That you must never beg again. Somebody say that's me even to you. Thank you, Father. I got it wrong for time's sake. So Jesus said to him, go to the pool Siloam. Go to the pool of Siloam. That's what Jesus said to him. So number three, 
is move. Number three, if you will not beg again, you must move. How do I know? Because when we read the text, John chapter 9 and verse 8, the word says that those that knew him said, is this not the man who sat begging? The challenge that many people have is that not only are they blind, but they are sitting. So it's bad enough to be blind. But how can you still be sitting when you are blind? Do you not know that prosperity loves movement? Wealth loves movement. Resources love movement. That's why for money it's called currency. Currency is from current. When you think about current, you think about electric current that flows. You think about the current of a river that flows. That is movement. Wealth loves movement. Come on somebody. Wealth loves movement. Resources love movement. The greatest transformation in your life will not happen when you're sitting idle, but when you're moving on a mission that God has engaged you in. That's why Jesus said to him, you've been sitting there. He didn't say you've been sitting down, but he said it's time for you to go to Siloam. Jesus could have held him by the hand and moved him to the place, but many times God is going to allow you to be an active partner in the process of your own change. God is going to allow you to be involved in the process of your own transformation. Transformation. You've been held for too long. You've been held for too long. You've been guided for too long. It's time for you with the mud in your eyes, with the mess in your face to get up and leave your comfort zone. High five somebody right now in the chat box. High five, put a high five emoji and tag somebody beside the high five so they, so they know they're the ones you're high fiving and say it's time to move. It's time to move, move, move away from the place of idleness. Move from the place of isolation. For some people, you've been waiting for the lockdown to be over. Do you know what some of us have done during this lockdown some of us we've written books during this lockdown we've released ebooks during this lockdown we've run webinars during this lockdown we've created online courses during this web- webinar we've saved souls during this webinar we've evangelized through social media during this webinar we have given out a lot of money during this webinar and you are still sitting down in fact I'm going to stand and say to you it's time for you to move it's time for you to move away move away from the cycles the patterns that have held you down, held you in non spot. Move, it's time for you to get up and go. Break out of that space. Break out of that pattern of limitation. It's time for you to move. Oh, come on, somebody high five me right now and shout, I'm moving, I'm moving. I'm moving away from the place of isolation and desolation. I'm moving away from self-pity and predictability. I'm moving away from dependency on uncle this and auntie that. I'm moving away from mommy this and daddy that. that. I'm moving away from those patterns. I'm moving away from the philosophies that have held my mind in the prison and in the chaotic cycle of limitation. I move today. The Bible says that Jesus said to this man, go to the pool called Siloam. And I feel like preaching. He said, go to the pool of Siloam. Watch this now. So Jesus sent him to a place called Sent. Siloam means sent. Jesus sent him to go figure out what he was going to be sent to do. What it means is Jesus gave him enough direction. He gave him the destination, but he didn't give him the route. Because Jesus wants you to figure this one out. He's giving you the destination. He's giving you the dream. He's giving you the goal. He's giving you the assignment. But he's not going to tell you what email to 
send. He's not giving you what PowerPoint presentation to make. He's not giving you who to call. You've got to figure this out by yourself with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You've got to figure this out. Some of you are so complacent. You are so comfortable. Well, I'm just waiting for the lockdown to be over. Well, I'm just waiting for a new job to happen. Well, I'm just waiting to get married and escape poverty from my father's house. Well, I'm just waiting to get married and use my wife's money to build a career. Stop waiting. Get up from that place and move to the pool of Siloam. I put mess on your face. I put mud on your face. I put a mess on your face. Now go clean it up. You've got mess on your face. Stop telling us that story. We can see the death on your face. Go find the pool. So this man had no other choice but to begin to do something possibly for the first time by himself in a long time. He had been used to people clinking the clinking sounds of coins falling into his aluminum bowl or his metallic bowl. He had been used to people dropping maybe even sheaves in a sash. He was used to people walking by and the dust of the ground falling on his face. Well now Jesus was not just risen dust. He was putting mud on his face. Some of you, your face your faces are filled with mud right now. Good for you. Your face is filled with saliva right now. Good for you. Why am I saying that? Your face is filled with slime right now. Good for you. Why? Because sometimes you need provocation for you to enter into your right vocation. Some of you, you need provocation to get into the right place. You need provocation to get to the right locomotion. You need provocation to get to the right destination. And this message was what you needed to say, I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm not a beggar anymore. I've thrown away the begging bowl. I've thrown away the beggar's garment. I've thrown away the limitations of my past. I am not a beggar anymore. It does not matter how much money I have in my bank account. I have revelation in my spirit, man. I have gifts and talents in my soul. I have a network I can add value to. I have systems I can build. There is always something that you can do. Let me tell you one of the reasons of why God, why Jesus said to this man, go wash up. He wanted him to find power where he was. He used sand from the ground where he was. He used saliva that he spat on the ground where he was. And then he said to the man, from where you are, carry yourself komota. In other words, it means take yourself out of this place. What stopped you from moving? What kept you from moving? I'm getting ready to close number four. Don't stop moving. As long as you are going in the direction of what Jesus instructed. Because the Lord said to me as I was praying and preparing. He said some of you, you were on the journey. You were on the journey of walking away from lack, from poverty, from shame, from the historicity of your family. The negative patterns from which you were raised. You were on the go. But things didn't work as fast as you thought. And the returns were not breaking on the horizon. You didn't seem to find light and you got tired. And you got weaker. Don't you know that the changes in your movement. Don't you know that help is on the way? I've preached that before. I taught that before. When, when I say help is on the way, I'm not saying that help is going to come to you. I'm saying that the way is already laced with help and helpers. That as you begin to move on the way, you will find help on the way. Well, the Bible makes it very clear to us. When we go to the book of First Samuel, there was a man. His name is called Saul. The Bible tells us that Saul, who was in fact now anointed, he was had received the anointing from Samuel the prophet. Samuel said to him, Go 
forward. He said, go forward and when you leave this place, you are going to find men who are carrying goats, who are carrying wine, who are carrying bread. And they will give you out of what they have. Samuel didn't say, wait here and the bread will come to you. He didn't say, wait here and the goats will come to you. He didn't say, wait here and the wine will come to you. He said, as you go, as you go, as you keep on going, you will find help you didn't know existed. You will find resources you didn't know existed. I wish I could tell you testimonies of stories in my own life, uh, in the life of my wife, uh, and even in Kings. Kings is the beneficiary of movement. That when you start moving, things start moving in your direction. When you cast the net, the fish will come in Peter. When you pour the oil, the oil will multiply. We don't come on somebody. When you begin to move, when you begin to move, things will begin to move in alignment with you. I see things moving in tune with your favor. I see things moving in line with your favor. And number five, the final thing is you've got to wash. You've got to wash that mess, wash that mud away. Because some people here, you've gotten to the pool and you're around the pool. You're close to the healing. You're close to the freedom. You're close to the full manifestation of the freedom because you are already free in Christ. You're close to the place, the final face of the explosive manifestation of the grace of God on the inside of you. But you cannot wash. And how do I mean you cannot wash? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I wish I could tell. I wish I could tell. Let, let me backtrack a little bit. When the Bible says that this man got to the pool of Siloam, you are sure. You can be sure he did not get there by himself. Sometimes Jesus wants you to learn how to partner with people, how to walk in relationships, how to also allow people to speak into your life and into your situation. Because it tells you the destination but not the roots. Uh, but finally he gets there. And for some people you are already at the pool of silver. But guess what? You don't know how to wash. Uh, for you to wash, you must learn to stoop. You don't wash from a pool by standing up. You wash from a pool by stooping. By humbling yourself. By laying down. And some people you are too pompous, uh, too full of yourself. That's why you still keep on begging. Because you make mistakes that are avoidable. If only you ask somebody to guide you. You've run into error. If only you have somebody to, to show you the way stoop and wash and the testimony of the man goes down he says now watch this watch this watch this what what the omakatos payakataya what the bible tells us literally is this now he said i went i washed and i received my sight i'm closing with this one somebody say i went I uh, say I went, I washed, and I received my sight. I'm not sitting begging anymore. I went, I washed, and I received my sight. My voice is cracking from prayer, but I'm a preacher in a way. Somebody say I went, I washed, and I received my sight. I went. And I received my sight. I received my sight. I'm not a beggar anymore. My address already changed. My mind already changed. My position already changed. My goals already changed. Already changed. I'm modulating. I wish I had Jerry on the keyboard. Hey, hey, hey. I went and I washed and I received my sight. How have I lived the last 12 years of my life? This is my own testimony now. This is Daniel Olaunuwato's testimony now. How did I survive and thrive through the last 12 years without begging or borrowing? I'll tell you how. I went. 
went. I went with my gifts. I went with my talents. I went with determination. I kept on going. Some people laughed, but I kept on going. Some people ignored, but I kept on going. Somebody, some people acted like they didn't know I was on the move, but I kept on going. Some people fell like it wouldn't work, but I kept on going. Now look at what God is doing. Now look at the hand of God. Not only did I go, because some people are good at going, but I washed, I stood, I stooped, I humbled myself, I took up the water and I washed, I washed my mind, I washed my imagination, I washed my creativity, I washed my innovation, I washed, I washed, and I'm still washing, and I receive my side, I receive my side, somebody shout yes, somebody holler yes, I wish I had a keyboard around me, but without a keyboard, I'm gonna go with the keys of the kingdom I went and I washed and I received my sight, my sight is back, my mind is back, my spirit is back my creativity is back my illumination is back my favor is back. My Yakata. Can you pray in the Holy Ghost right now? Can you rise wherever you are? Can you stir up the fire and the flame of God? Went, I went, and I received my sight. I went, and I washed, and I received my sight. I received my sight. I received my sight, hallelujah. I received my sight. I can see clearly now. I can see the purposes of God clearly now. I can see the provision plan of God clearly now. I can see the supply chain of heaven clearly now. I can see the value God placed in me clearly now. I can see, I can see the times I had now. I went and I washed and I received my sight. Glory to the Lamb of God. Come on, someone pray that right now as you clap your hands. Pray that right now. Pray. Break the spirit of poverty locking around your mind, around your heart, around your home, around your community, around your nation. Oh yes, in a dry land, you will bring for springs of water. In an empty place, irrigation is coming through. Fresh flowers and strong seeds, all thriving and flowing bountifully. In the name of Jesus. You don't have to have it all sorted out or figured out, but make the declaration, I'm not a beggar anymore. I'm not a beggar anymore. The generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing. Someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.